0: Proverbs 9, wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town, whoever is simple, let him turn in here, to him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. In Proverbs 9, it's, it's amazing how the, the picture is of a woman of wisdom and a woman of folly. And it says, to begin with wisdom, wisdom has built her house. She has a big house. She's able to entertain people. She has got uh, lots of generosity. She has slaughtered her beast. She's mixed her wine. And then she sends out young women, it says, to, to call at the highest places of the town. And it says, whoever is simple turn in here him who lacks sense. Come eat of this, this bounty that I have, the wine, the bread, the meat that I've prepared, and leave your simple ways and live. And then when you go to the woman folly at the end of this proverb, there's some, something like the same. The woman folly is trying to sound like the woman wisdom. And it says that she goes up to, uh, takes a seat on the highest places of the town and says almost the same thing. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, and here's where she doesn't offer food that she's made in her house and slaughtered the beasts that she's raised. Instead, she says, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And so we see that these two women... Folly is always going to which is foolishness. Foolishness is always going to try to sound like wisdom. We're going to try to build you up and make you seem like you're gonna be stronger by listening to me. And this is the way of the world. Walk in this way because this'll make you rich. This'll make you strong. This will make you popular. This'll make you good looking. Whatever else whatever else foolishness is offering is gonna sound like wisdom to the worldly person. To the person it says, doesn't know that the dead are there when you, when you walk in foolishness and that the guests of folly are already in the grave. So be careful when you hear something that sounds right. Is it according to the wisdom of God? Or is this a trick of foolishness to appeal to your vanity and to your pride and make you think that what, this, that what you're going to do here that in following this woman Is wise and will make you, will build you up when actually you're walking into an open grave. God bless you, and I pray that you will follow wisdom today, who says, Come eat of my bread and drink of my wine, walk in the way of insight. Walk in the way of insight, which begins with the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One. God bless. Have you ever heard of the two wills of God? Uh, We were doing a study (laughs) with my small group last night on the book by Ken Erisman called Grounded in the Faith. And we were here in session 12. It's called Understanding God's Will. And I really appreciated this study. This is something that I kind of came to understand three or four years ago. That it's a helpful way of understanding what does the Bible mean when it says God's will to understand that there are two wills of God. Or what I would say is more helpful is to say there are two senses in which that phrase is used. The will of God. It's not that God has two wills that are opposed to God, but It's that when you say God, God, one, things that you might need, and, that it is that and one of the great places you can see this is in the story of Joseph. Uh, and what happened with him so joseph was <clears throat> the famous character uh shouldn't say character the famous person who is recorded in scripture as having been thrown down into a pit by his brothers because they were jealous of him and he was he was a dreamer he had all these dreams about um basically about his brothers and his father bowing down to him and and they didn't like that too much so they threw him into a pit <clears throat> and in doing so they were violating god's clear will because they were putting his life at risk they were selling him into slavery they were going to lie to the to their father and say that an animal had killed him instead of um instead of that they'd sold him off and so in doing so they were violating god's obvious and clear law and instructions and and people don't even need to have god's word to understand this this would be clearly understood just through living this life and looking out that this is something which is against righteousness and yet, in the end, his slavery leads him to become second in charge of Egypt and to be incredibly powerful and actually to serve and and save tons and tons of people, probably millions of people through famine because of the dreams that God gave him and his wise uh, leadership in, in Egypt to where he saved up grain and he was able to to help all the egyptians and also make egypt ridiculously wealthy because he could sell the grain off to other people who came. And so here's the scripture in Genesis 50 when Joseph comes to find sees his brothers coming to beg for grain, finds out and they find out who he is and he says Genesis 50:20 As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Another section of scripture, which God says this attribute of himself, that he's, he's totally sovereign over the things that happen here on earth, and he works all things towards his glory. Uh, Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and declaring things from the ancient times that are not yet done, he says, my counsel shall stand. This is me commenting now. My counsel shall stand. And I'll do all my pleasure, and he goes on like that. There's no other God who can tell you what happened in the beginning and what's going to happen next and what's going to happen in the very end. and show me one who can do the same thing as me. I am God alone. And so the two wills of God, more or less, are called uh, in in uh, theological terms, God's sovereign will is one of them, and his prescriptive will is another. And if we can grab a hold of this and understand that the Bible refers to both of these attributes of God as real and as calling them God's will, it can help us to understand some of the sticky things about, about the Scripture, like um, I think it's called theodicy, which is the problem of evil. How can a God who truly does know the end from the beginning and is all-powerful to, to work in the world, he's not distant, but he's close by us, and he still works things in the world with, through miracles and through guiding people, how is it possible then that there's so much evil on the earth? That couldn't be right. How, he couldn't have all this power and still allow this to, stuff to happen. That's the problem of theodicy. Now, when you understand the way the Bible speaks about these wills, that's not going to immediately solve all your problems because these things are mysterious, to be sure, and we don't fully understand how could it be that God Controls and has has control and has dominion over everything, and yet doesn't immediately stop evil. But the Bible is the source of our knowledge and will will explain that for us. And this is one of the ways that we'll be really helped. His sovereign will, number one, is that will in which uh, he is <clears throat> he knows when the sparrow falls, as Jesus said. There's nothing that's outside of his control. If he chose to, he could come in and. Force anybody or anything to do what he wills there's that there's the second meaning by the way, what he wills. Uh, so the second one is the prescriptive will. and you can remember and and understand what that means like a doctor giving you a prescription saying, this is what you need. So God's prescriptive will are his commands and his uh, his laws, his decrees, uh, all the, all these things you find in scripture what God commands of us, what we should do. And so when God says, um, you shall not steal, that's his will that you will not steal. When God says, be holy as your father in heaven is holy, that's his will for you, that you would be holy just as he is holy. When he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, it's his will that you would repent. You need to turn around from the sins that you've been doing. When he says, believe in me, He means, I command you, this is God's will, that you would believe in the Son and have eternal life. And so, when you understand that the Scripture speaks of God's will in both ways, His holy, moral will, His will for us, His will that He commands us to have faith, that He commands us to be holy, that He shows us what His character is like, um, that is His prescriptive will, or his, uh, his moral will, but he also has the sovereign will in which he's working history to be totally glorifying to him, to his character, to his power, to his beauty, to his glory. And you can see that as well in the scripture. I believe it's in Acts where he, he says um, that you crucified Jesus, and yet it was him who went to be crucified and he went as it was written of him in the ancient scriptures and so all of this was according to God's plan for how he would rescue his people and yet still you bear the blame he's talking to the Jews the first century Jews you bear the blame because you killed the son of god even though it was written it was prophesied about so i hope that this helps you a little bit when you see the term or the the idea of god willing Something he commands, what he wills, he wills for you to obey in these areas, and yet he also commands sovereignly the course of history. So that even in the end, it's not until the appropriate amount of saints who have been martyred for the faith come into the kingdom, according to Revelations, that he will come back. So you see that he's working something good in these people in the future. Who will die for the faith? So, even the things which are against his moral will can be within his sovereign will as he works these things through history. And yet, nobody who has done sin against his moral will will be um, free from the judgment of what they should have done. God bless you. I hope I made that clearer today instead of more confusing. God's moral will. Obey that will today. In fact, if you need to repent of something, repent of that now and obey today. His sovereign will. Know that you can rest in His arms. You can trust that He is working everything for His glory. And if we can be a part of glorifying Him, then we are a part of that sovereign will of God as well. God bless you.